Hey, this is Doug Eccles. We want to welcome you to our podcast, Got Better Things for You. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 2, says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. If you look at the screen, let's all read it together. Come on, everybody together. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Everybody say higher things. How many believe he's got some higher things for us to set our affection on? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. We speak uh, uh, freedom in this place. We ask, Lord, for conviction to come into this house, conviction of the Holy Spirit, that people that are away from God, backslidden with sin in their life, uh, and those that do not know you would come to Christ today by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Let your light shine in this place, I pray. And we're believing, Lord, uh, uh, that I may speak as the oracles of God and minister with the ability that you give. Lord, let us hear from heaven today. We exalt you, Lord Jesus. We lift you up. And we just believe, Lord, that every need is met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And everybody said, amen. In the name of Jesus, you may be seated. Praise God. Tell your neighbor, all things are possible. Come on, tell them. I'm going to believe nothing's impossible and all things are possible. Do you believe that? Praise God. The Bible says to set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, uh, some of you know that my father is in his 62nd year of ministry. And uh, I can remember him telling us some things growing up. And I can remember talking about uh, people at times. And he'd say, you know, those people are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And I got to thinking about that a little bit. They were too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Well, I thought about that and I realized there's nobody like that in church anymore. We have our affection set on the things of this earth. Now, I will tell you before I start today that God wants you to have victory in this life. But I believe at times we've let our priorities get out of line and and uh, our our affection is strong for the things of this earth and very little for heavenly things. I went to a couple of funerals uh, last year in the fall. I don't like to go to funerals, don't want to go to a funeral. I go out of respect. How many know you go to a funeral out of respect? If you're there out of love, you should have shown love while they were living. But I go out of respect. I'm an evangelist. I don't marry people. I don't bury people. I very seldom go visit people at the hospital. I I can, but, you know, I'm usually gone when you are in need. That's why you have a shepherd, a pastor to be there to help you. And elders and, and others around you, you need a church. You know, come on now. So I don't go to funerals very often, but one of my friends, uh, a pastor, his wife was killed in a car accident. And I went to that funeral, and I hadn't been to one in a while, and uh, I found it very interesting. The church was full. She was a young lady, had lots of friends. And and, uh, 
you know, had a good church behind her, but there were other people there. And the preacher got up and he said, we all know where she went. And I kind of looked around the building. I said, well, I know where she went. And I'm sure the church that she was the pastor's wife of knows where she went. But I looked around that room and there looked like some people that probably didn't know where she went. And nobody mentioned heaven. I found it very interesting. And then I went to a funeral a little while after that. One of the classmates of my youngest daughter was killed in another accident, car accident. And he uh, uh, loved Jesus. And they talked about him loving Jesus. But I noticed that there was no mention of heaven again. So I was in Texas and I was at a church and I asked the pastor there. I said, you know, I noticed that nobody's talking about heaven at funerals. He said, well, I was invited to go to the funeral home to preach a funeral for someone I did not know. And he said, uh, I get there with my Bible under my arm, and the funeral director said, we don't do sermons at funerals anymore. He said, we only eulogize people. And I thought about that for a moment, you know. I want to hear about your Aunt Susie's good brownies. And I want to hear about Uncle Joe had a nice garage that he kept clean and and he, he had a spotless car. Those are all commendable, I suppose. But you know what? They don't really mean anything in eternity. Are you understanding me? And I think that we have our affections set so much on the things of this earth that no longer do we talk about heaven. I want to tell you something, and I want to let you hear something that is the gospel uh, that is not according to John the Revelator or John the Apostle. But I want you to hear a song by John Lennon. I believe it's the gospel of John according to John Lennon. I want you to hear this. go the next slide there again. song unless we live in a cave somewhere we I know it's old so don't you know somebody say what's new but when that song came out it sounded ridiculous to me to imagine there's no heaven but now in America there is no heaven we are living for today It's all about today. And I realize that Jesus came that I might have abundant life now. I am way for that. I'm on that side. I'm living that life. But I don't want to forget about heaven. I don't want to imagine there is no heaven. I think that people that want to imagine there is no heaven haven't really read what the Word of God says. And live like there is no heaven and live for yourself. No hell below us. That'd be nice, but it's not true. And it'd be 
something a little bit odd if we just want to live for ourselves. The Bible says in Matthew, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I want to read to you out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. You can follow along, but I'm going to read these quite quickly. Paul, the apostle, said, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. When the apostle Paul was having a, a, a dilemma, whether to stay on earth or go to heaven, he said that heaven was far better. Now, why would I want to imagine that there's not something better than this earth. Right now, with what is going on in our family, uh, we have a sister-in-law that perhaps could die. Are you understanding me? Why wouldn't I want to talk about heaven? Why wouldn't I want to believe that there's something that's far better? I want to tell you that this earth is the only hell a saved person will ever know, and this earth is the only heaven an unsaved person will ever know. This is as good as it ever gets if you're not going to serve Jesus, but we have the promise of abundant life and heaven too, which is far better. Somebody say amen. Jesus himself, he described heaven in John the 14th chapter in verses 1 and 2. It says uh, uh, in John 14, 1 and 2, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Why would I want to imagine that there's not a Father's house with many mansions? I don't know what your house is like. I don't know how beautiful it is, but mine, uh, at times, the windows leak. Mine, at times, the ceiling leaks. Mine, at times, has issues. I had to replace the garage door opener. You know, those kind of things. Why would I want to, uh, to imagine that there's not a place that has a better house than the one I'm living in? That's not going to need repairs. That I don't have to pay the taxes on. Are you hearing me? That the mortgage doesn't come due every month. I'm telling you, why would I want to imagine that there is no heaven? I want you to go with me to the book of Hebrews, a description of heaven. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in verse number 10. In Hebrews 11 and 10, the Bible describes heaven there as he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 16, but now they desire a better country that is unheavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. The Bible describes heaven not only as country, but as a city. Now, I don't know how that works for you, but in my family, I grew up in the country, if you can't tell by my beautiful accent. I used to try to disguise it, but now I'm just living with it. If you don't like it, I can't help it. But this is the way it is. I grew up in the country, and I like the country. But my wife, on the other hand, she grew up in Detroit area. She hates the country. She describes civilization as how close you can be to the mall. And where I grew up, the mall was two and a half hours away. 
Two and a half hours it took us to get to the mall. Are you understanding me? So I take her to the country where I grew up, and about two days later, she's going stir-crazy. But I will tell you, heaven's going to be good for both of us. Whether you like the country or the city, God has a place for you. Amen. Now, Luke 23, in verse 43, when Jesus hung on the cross, he said to one of the thieves, he said, Verily I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus described heaven as paradise. Now, I don't know what you think paradise is, but we have people from all kinds of countries here. We have, we have people from uh, uh, different locations. We have Jamaicans, and we had uh, in the first service people from Trinidad, Tobago. We got people from the island of Puerto Rico, and we have people from all over, and, and we call those places, they're vacation places, and we call them paradise. Well, if it was such a great paradise, why are you in Vineland today? (laughs) Just kidding now. Come on. I I am joking about it. But you know what? No matter how beautiful Puerto Rico is or Tobago, Trinidad, no matter how beautiful Jamaica or the Bahamas or these places that we love to go and, and spend time and relax, it's still not heaven. Are you hearing me? They're beautiful, but it's still not heaven. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible said, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So when we think of heaven, We all have ideas in our head. We think of beautiful flowers. We think of a lovely aroma. We think of beautiful scenery. We think of vivid colors. Perhaps we think of people uh, that we uh, uh, want to see again. When I was a boy, we used to sing about heaven. There'll be no sorrow there, no parting over there, no burdens to bear. And we sang about heaven because we wanted to be with our loved ones that had gone on with faith in Christ Jesus. I went to Columbia with this church in February, and one of the things that we did, we went to a special needs facility. People there were handicapped physically and mentally. And I will tell you that I felt inadequate when I went there. Here are people that In that society, they put them away because they get, I guess they feel they're an embarrassment. But I went there and I I thought, you know, I, I, I wanted to have faith to see creative miracles where there wasn't something, let there be, and and where limbs were crooked and, and minds were missing. I wanted to pray the prayer of faith and raise them up. But I found myself lacking. And you know what? All we did was sing there. But you know what? Uh, You think, what did it do? Well, I thank God that when God speaks to us, many times he bypasses our mind and speaks directly to our spirit. I know they felt the love of God that day. But I still felt sad when I left. 
I felt sad, but I tell you what, when I think about heaven, I think about those kind of people, those that are imperfect will be made whole. Heaven's going to be wonderful. And I don't know what kind of ecstasy you think it'll be, but you need to multiply the ecstasy that you think heaven will be uh, by a million, and you would still fall short and be far from an accurate description of heaven what God has prepared for his children. He said, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Go with me over to the book of Revelation 21. We got another picture of heaven. The Bible says in verse 16, The city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of man, that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was of pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth the topaz, the tenth the chrysoprasus, the eleventh the jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but heaven's going to have a lot of bling. And some people say, well, I just don't believe all that. Well, if gold doesn't mean gold and the Bible and, and pearly gates don't mean pearly gates and walls of jasper do not mean walls of jasper, then there is nothing accurate or reliable to rely on in this Bible. But I believe let every uh, word be true. Let man be a liar, but let God be true today. Amen? Verse 22. I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations, everybody say nations, of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God. Heaven, why would we want to imagine that there is not one? And why are we not talking about it? We are citizens of that heavenly country. I want to go and ask you a question today. After reading about heaven, we must ask a question. And the question I want to ask you today is, do all roads lead to heaven? We live in a politically correct society. Not only in my country, but I'm not politically correct. I refuse to, to, to be so bothered that I might step on somebody's toes today, that you're so sensitive. I've never been to sensitivity training. 
I always say if I rub your cat the wrong way, you need to turn him around. But do all roads lead to heaven? Tuesday I was flying back from Dallas to Tulsa of this week. I sat by a nice lady on the plane. She was 78 years old, same age as my mother. We struck up a conversation. She told me she was from a certain city, College Station, in Texas, where uh, Texas A&M is at. And we got talking a little bit, and she said her husband had passed away. And she said, I was out visiting my, uh, my son, his daughter. My granddaughter was graduating from high school, and I went to her graduation. She, he said, she said, I'm very concerned about her. She said, Grandma, she said, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. That's what she said. And she said, I, I looked at my granddaughter and said, oh, sure, you're a Christian. You grew up in a Christian home. You went to a Christian church. You're a Christian. She said her granddaughter's confused because she thinks that all religions have their way to get to God. We got talking about that a little bit more. You can imagine. I tried to be as nice as I could be. But sometimes you got to tell the truth. There were some things I left alone, but other things I could not. But I'm going to tell you, that's what we're living in. Our society has an idea that every religion has their way to get to God. Let's play that out a little bit, that logic. If all religions have their way to get to God, what about the church of Satan? That's a religion. Do they have their way to God? What about these crazy cults? Drink their little drink, get in their little spaceship, and that'll get you to God. We might need to rethink that logic here in America. My son called me about three years ago after the tragedy that took place at Virginia Tech where the young man went crazy and shot everybody, and then, I, 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 uh, then he ended up uh, killing himself. That young man shot up the campus at Virginia Tech, but my son was watching the memorial service. And he said, Dad, they're going to replay that memorial service. I think it'll play when you're done with church tonight. He said, you need to watch it. I said, why? He said, just watch. You'll think it's interesting. He said, I'm not going to say anything. You just watch. So I began watching, and the, the, the basketball stadium there at Virginia Tech was full of people. They'd come, and it was a very tragic time. People were hurting because of what had happened on that campus. And they, uh, first of all, had a man get up. He was a Muslim, and he read out of the Koran. And then uh, right after him was a Buddhist lady, and she got up and said, I'm going to quote the Dalai Lama today. And she said, uh, all of us uh, were born into this world with a good nature. I pointed my finger at the television and said, liar, liar, pants on fire. All I could think of is that lady has never had any children before. Some of you will understand what I'm saying. And then a lady got up and she said, I represent the Jewish community. And I thought, okay, let's see what she says. She begins to read out of the book of Ecclesiastes. But how many know you can misquote Scripture? You can take it out of context. 
And she began to say, to everything there is a time and a season. Sounded more like a song from the late 60s and 70s by the birds, turn, turn. Some of you are on that right page, okay? I don't know anything about that. My sister had to teach me in Paul. He's the only hippie I know. Pete's broke. Some of you will figure that out later. But I didn't, it didn't bring any comfort to me. Then the Christian man got up. He was representing the Christian community. He was a Lutheran. I thought, well, he'll read something out of the Bible and it'll be awesome. He said something. He said, at a time like this, I'm not going to read any scripture. He said, because this is bigger than any faith community, we must come together in a time like this. How many know that that's what we become in America? We become, everybody can say what they want except the Christian. And now we are afraid, and the Bible says, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. The Bible says in Matthew 7 and 13, enter you in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And few there be that find it. Jesus himself spoke these words. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There are no exceptions. You can't get to the Father except through Jesus the Son. First Timothy 2 and 5, the Word of God says in First Timothy 2 and 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And when my daughter, who's 14 now, was two years old, I taught her to say, she'd stand there and point her finger like this and say, Daddy, you the man! I thought it was fun until my wife ruined it. One day I said, I, I said, Tell, Sally, do your thing. She points at me and said, Daddy, you the man, but Mama's the boss. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't win. But as much as I'd like to be the man here today, there's many men in this building, but there's only one man. It is the man, Jesus Christ, and he is the way to get to God. Amen. In America today, there's been a recent survey that people were asked, if you died, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Only one out of 120 people in America today say that when they die, they're going to go to hell. And yet today I could walk across the street to Wawa and be there for more than five minutes and I'm sure I could find more than one that's going to hell. Matter of fact, they, they ought to be in church this morning. So it'd be real easy right now. I'm preaching better than you're amening. Don't you think people that are saved ought to come to church? See you tonight at six o'clock. I set you up for that now. 
Only one out of 120 in America. And you know what? I've never been to a funeral where they said the person died went to hell. Now, I think that'd be inappropriate. But I have been to funerals where the preacher preached and I didn't know who he was talking about. I knew the dead guy and he surely wasn't talking about him. Because we have a tendency to want to live like the devil but die like an angel. That's why I'm glad I'm not a pastor. I could not lie to, about you at your funeral. I got to tell the truth. The world can think what they want. Only one out of 120 are going to go to hell. The truth is, God's not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. That's why he sent Jesus, because he loved you. But the world can think what they want, but Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Earth has its standards, but heaven has different standards. If you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to have to live different, talk different, love different, give different. Are you hearing me? I read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, something we don't hear much anymore, but it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let that sink in a little bit today. I say to you, all men might go to heaven, but all men will not go to heaven. The truth is, everybody could go to heaven, but the truth is, not everybody will go to heaven. The Bible gives a list of people that could go to heaven, but will not. In Revelation 21 and 8, it says, The fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We have a list. Starts out with fearful. There's some that are here that are already on the list. You already should have given your heart to the Lord Jesus when the pastor has given invitations in the past, when you had an opportunity, but you sat in the seat and you would not respond because you were afraid of what other people think. You're already on the list. We could read all of those and go down what they mean, but how about the word liars? Doesn't just say liars, it says all liars. So whether you're telling those white ones or those gray ones, I mean, no, God's not impressed with the color of your lying. Revelation 21.8 gives a list of those who could go to heaven but will not. And in America today, for every star whom we applaud greatly, We think they're wonderful. 
Every star whom we applaud who has blatantly committed a majority of the sins listed on the screen, when they die, we immortalize them and say they are in heaven. Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All sin leads to death because it disqualifies us from living with God. And just because you do lesser sins does not mean you qualify and deserve eternal life. See, some people say, well, I don't think sin's that big a deal. Well, let me ask one more question. Do sinners go to heaven? Do sinners go to heaven? People say sin's not that big a deal. And yet the Bible's very clear. It says that you were dead in your sin. All right, let's just play that. Dead in your sin. Sin's not a big deal. You're dead in your sin. But that's why Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. He said, he said uh, uh, I don't understand. He said, you must be born again. Because he was dead in his sin. Some people say, well, sin's not that big a deal. In our pulpits in America, we act like sin's not that big a deal. Some lady came up to me mad as a hornet. Preaching about sin, she said, well, I sin every day, don't you? And I said, nope, not today, I haven't. But you keep bothering me, I might. (laughs) I don't sin every day. I didn't say I haven't sinned. I don't say I'm above sin. Take heed lest you fall. Come on now. But I'm telling you, we can walk and be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. I preached real hard on sin in a church and went out to lunch with a pastor and another pastor riding in the car. It's in Texas. It's nearly 110 degrees out. Got the air blasting, but it's still hot. They asked me a question. They said, do you think there'll be any sin in heaven? I thought they were joking. Us preachers, we laugh and joke. We're joking all the time unless we're preaching, and sometimes our preaching's a joke. I realized they were serious after a little bit. They said, what do you believe about sin? I said, well, the wages of sin is death. I went through that. I said, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming down the road, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I said, if sin were no big deal, then Jesus did not need to come. I went through a few more things, and I I said the word sin is used over 150 times in the New Testament alone, not including the word sinner or sinneth. I said, one scripture says, he that commits sin is of his father, the devil. I said, what do you think I think about sin? It got cold in that car. (laughs) The next 10 minutes on the way to the restaurant was as cold as I've ever been. I thought these guys were my friends. They acted mad. 
Got to the restaurant, they told me the rest of the story. When they began to tell me the story, I realized, I thank God I'm not a pastor. I don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. You know, I just hit and run. I'm going to cause trouble and pastor will fix it next week. I must not cause too much. I get to come back, you know. But I, I may be on thin ice this morning. Who knows? But listen. They said... We had a man die in the church last week. Killed in a car accident. A truck hit the side of his car when he pulled out of an intersection. He died almost instantly. But right before the truck hit the side of the car, his wife and baby were in the car. They heard, they lived, not even injured. The last thing he said before he died was, oh, four-letter word. Fill it in with whichever one you used to use or you still use. Oh, and went into eternity. They said, do you think he went to heaven or hell? I'm opening all the can of worms today. I told them I want everybody to go to heaven. I hope mercy reaches out and covers everything. But I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you what I, I think, and I would never talk to the family this way. I'd have to come up with something better. I don't want to be mean to anybody but I said to those brothers in the car or in the restaurant now, I said, well, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. I said, if that's in your heart, it comes out your mouth. And if that's in your heart, I can't hardly put you into heaven. See, we used to come to the altar and repent. We used to talk and spill out all kinds of four-letter words, but now we don't do it unless it's on Facebook. But we used to come to the altar and repent. Repent means I used to be this way, but now I'm not. Repent used to mean I used to get drunk, smoke dope. I used to carouse around, used to fool around, used to go clubbing on Saturday. But now I'm in the altar. I repent and I've changed. Old things pass away and all things become new. Do sinners go to heaven? I might have answered that already. But I'm going to answer like this. If sinners go to heaven... They would jackhammer the streets of gold. They would steal the pearly gates. And it would be just like the earth. We'd have to have an alarm system for the thieves in heaven. We'd have to have a lie detectors for the liars in heaven. But he said it's far better. You can think what you want. But he said it's far better. If it was going to be that, it'd be just like the earth. And why would I want to go there? Philippians 3 and 20 says, Our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In my bag up here, if I dig enough, I'll find my passport. I know where it's at. My passport says I'm a citizen of the United States of America and when I come back in this country or, or, or leave, I show that passport. But I'll tell you what, 
My citizenship is far greater than being a U.S. citizen. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven, and I'm not settled down in this world. I know they used to say, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I want to close Revelation 21, verse 27. I read it before I read it again. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. A book is kept of the names of heaven's citizens. My passport, when they slide it through, Homeland Security's got my name. I'm in their computer. I'm going to tell you, my name might be in Homeland Security's computer, but I'm going to tell you, I want my name on, in the Lamb's book of life. Your name might be in Chestnut Assembly's computer because you attend here or you give of your tithes and offering. But a book is kept of the names of heaven's citizens. And it's more important. Each name represents one who's been purchased by and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I ask you today, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Is your heart there? The King is there. And everyone around you today, everyone sitting near you is either going to heaven or hell. They're dying and they're going to go to heaven or hell. That's the absolute truth today. And some are here today and you won't make a decision because you're worried about what people think. You're already on the list. Others won't make a decision because you procrastinate and say, some other day, I'll do it another time. Others aren't willing to make uh, the commitment. It's not easy to serve Jesus, but it's always great. If it were easy, the dope smokers would be doing it. The meth addict would be doing it. But it's not easy. He said, to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. There'll be people that attend Chestnut Assembly, been in this building, some today, that'll die and they'll go to hell. And they'll think, in hell, they'll have a memory and they'll remember, I almost made it to heaven. Almost. Almost. You think about almost. I almost made the shot that won the game. I almost got the raise and the promotion. I almost got an A on the test. I almost uh, uh, married that person. I almost. There's a lot of almost in life. But can you almost make it to heaven? Hmm. Almost. Spurgeon said it like this. He said, there was a man who was almost saved in a fire, but he was burned. There was another almost healed of disease, but he died and there was one who was almost reprieved, but he was hanged. And there are many in hell who were almost saved. Almost.